We continue with our sermon series on the teachings of Jesus. We've looked at a variety of topics. We've talked about non-retaliation, loving your enemies, anxiety and fear. We've talked about six or eight of these uh, different lessons already. I hope you're keeping track. I hope you're writing a sentence down or two uh, after each uh, worship experience to keep auditing these things that Jesus has important words for us about how we live our life. Today we talk about his attitudes about life and death. Seems like a good seasonal focus in that we've just had Halloween and All Saints Day. It's an interesting topic to examine in that it it gets our attention. Perhaps we perk up a little bit. And we realize, if we're people real acquainted with Scripture, that Jesus' story is all about life and death. Indeed, all that he said and that he did, all, all taught lessons about life and lessons about death. A few of them come to mind. Trust your life to God and live without anxiety. Faith secures your soul regardless of what happens to your body. We all sin. So forgiveness, non-judgmentalism is wise, is merciful. God's kingdom was experienced in the afterlife. Remember him talking about David and Abraham being there? It's an active place, this afterlife. It's an interactive place, this afterlife. The afterlife is affected by how one lives this life. And he mentioned marriage, and he mentioned spouses, and he mentioned uh, compassion in another lesson. Compassion being a key to the doorway of life to life. He taught how real abundant life begins with a spiritual awakening. That indeed we need something like a second birth to draw us into more intimacy with God. Well, today's scriptures highlight Jesus' teaching about life and death in what I would call a hyperbolic way, in an exaggerated way. Let the dead bury the dead. Dead can't bury dead. What is he talking about? What does he mean when he says that? You know, finding your life is really going to be losing your life and vice versa. What? These are two difficult sayings, perhaps, that that push the point to make the point. In the first, 
A potential disciple wants to join Jesus' movement. He's kind of caught up in the excitement of it all. Haven't seen things like this in northern Galilee in quite a while. But he wants to do it on his own terms. You know, he's maybe a kind of a control freak, maybe, or maybe he just has a person of responsibility. He wants to do it when it's convenient to him. And Jesus hears an ambivalence here. He doesn't hear a family obligation. He hears an ambivalence. And he responds with words that sound unfeeling to our ears 20 centuries later. Words that push the importance of being fully invested as a disciple, not casually connected. Come now, come now, do not tarry. John's been beheaded, I'll die soon. The moments are rushing by. In the second reading, Jesus states kingdom values are at odds with worldly values. So much so that it seems that the last among us are going to end up first. And those who are touted as first among us, well, they're going to end up as last. The reversal of fortune and of social status is basic to Jesus' worldview because fortune and social status come through practices that might be at odds with being a lover of God and lover of neighbor. And so he drives the point home to make sure the point is made about his understanding of life and of death. For Jesus and those who heard his call to come and to follow him, discipleship is represented not as as adding on another worthy cause to one's list of obligations as a responsible person, but a giving of the self ultimately over to God and God's purposes for that self and for one another. So those things of apparent importance in this world kind of become deprioritized. And those things that seem to add heavenly treasure are prioritized. And you know what? It's best to see life as a journey back home. Jesus is saying. Getting back to the garden. Getting back to God. Where you came from. Jesus valued human life. Come on, he valued all of human life. He worked to help the marginalized and the oppressed people in particular. But he really was helping everyone that would listen, all who ever would listen to him. 
to see that God valued them. Nonetheless, to see that God loved them even. Nevertheless, and to trust God's ultimate vindication for them. Nevertheless. And so it is. All this joy, all this sorrow, all this promise and all this pain. Such is life. Such is being. Such is spirit. Such is love. So it is. So it goes. Now, do you hear those, those words, those words from our anthem today? Thank you, Gloria, for all your hard work in making that happen, choir. Do you hear those words with a sadness and a resignation? Or with an embracing faith in the mystery and the wholeness of life. I think it was yesterday that David Brooks had an article in the New York Times. I think it was the New York Times. And he quoted uh, our favorite um, self-reliance guy, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Great men, but I think if Everson lived in a couple hundred years later, we said great women too, okay? So women hear men in here, but I'll... Read it the way Emerson wrote it. Great men, great nations have not been boasters or buffoons, but perceivers in the terrors of life and have manned themselves to face it. And then Brooks goes on grabbing back these uh, ancient Greek classics into his article, and he talks about the Greek tragic sensibility and how we need to have that, a tragic sensibility. And that bothered me. Mm. That, that kind of got to me. Wait a second. Have you lost your faith, David? I call it an acceptance of the changes and challenges of life that are basic to life with a, a spiritual depth and an emotional balance. Just be at peace. Be in the presence of God. And be open to it. 
and walk the journey with God. Walk the journey with one another. Take it all in. Smile and sigh. Smile and sigh. Come along with me, Jesus says. Come along with me through life and through death. And all will be well. Now, the early church understood, my guess is, that they understood the, the breadth of his teaching in this regard. And the story of the stilling of the storm. Can you remember the story of the stilling of the storm? Is an example, in my mind. The, the story is typically listened to as a nature miracle, something that helps to vet Jesus as the Lord of all and control nature. Yet many people look at this story and they understand it as a symbolic narrative, an analogy to discipleship and to life. And I'm going to ask Nancy to uh, read this for us. What a good sport she is, just doing something beyond the call of duty. One day, he got into the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A gale swept down on the lake, and the boat was filled with water, and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he spoke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was calm. He said to them, where's your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, who is this then that commands even the winds and the waters and they obey him? Thanks, Nancy. Let's take a, a closer look, seeing a story of life and death and faithfulness with the stilling of the storm. So they're out in the Sea of Galilee, a storm is raging, Jesus is sleeping, the disciples are panicking, the boat is tossing to and fro, you know, waves all over the place, they're getting wet. They awaken him, and he steadies the storm, and he offers them encouragement to be faithful. Life is a sea. And all people need to cross that sea from one side to another. And to some, some of them, they just throw themselves in the sea and they thrash around and they try to get to the other side. Others get in boats and they choose the boat in which to get in to make their life journey. And some of those folk are called disciples and they choose to get in a boat with Jesus to make life's journey across that sea. And that boat, as you might guess, is the church. 
And the church suffers persecutions and all sorts of storms, particularly back then in Jesus' time as he's telling this story. Yet it is sustained and it's ultimately redeemed by Christ. And so, hearing this, we would say to ourselves, hmm, travel through life with Jesus as your navigator in this boat. And Jesus will steer you well. And we'll see with all the storms that arise that you weather them and you get to the other side whole. Our congregation's logo is the Methodist ship at sea. Do you see it that way? That's how I tried to make it. Do you see a boat? with a mast that's the cross and the, the flames being the sails of the boat. You see that? Thank you. And it's, it's sailing on the... That's, what we're, that's what's supposed to be there. That's what you're supposed to see. Setting a course for a better life. Hmm. That's out there in the Nothex. Every time you come in, take a look at it and remind yourself. You're sailing in a boat across the sea with Jesus at the helm to get to the other side. And with Jesus, you're setting a course for a better life in that journey. Thanks be to God. You know, you can't get to the other shore if you don't leave this shore. And you can't get to the other shore if you're always keeping one foot on the dock on that shore and one foot in the boat that's starting to leave. You're not going to make it either, are you? You've got to get into the boat. You've got to get into the boat and you've got to make the journey and set sail. Jesus' lessons on life and death and discipleship Give meaning to our living, I hope. And they lift up for me two bold religious sentiments. One is, is what the prophets remind us, and, and we always should keep in mind, though we are big people on grace and we live in the light and the redemption of grace, we need to be mindful that the prophets are not just wasting their breath telling us there is an ultimate justice with God. And the second, as the hymn states, earth knows no sorrow that heaven cannot cure. Embrace the whole of life. You can do it with Jesus in your boat. You can make the journey and get safe to the other side. And in the doing of that, you will understand the mystery of a life lived 
well. All this joy, all this sorrow, all this promise, all this pain, such is life. Such is living. Such is spirit. Such is love. So it is. So it goes.